On today's episode, we talk about how there is a very large difference between chasing health and chasing physique. And what needs to be done before you chase physique is that functional side, is making sure the thyroid, the cortisol, the gut, everything is in line. Because as soon as you try to stress the body with a calorie deficit, because a calorie deficit is a stress, you need to make sure that the body can handle that stress. So we chat today around what are your focuses and are they in the right place? Live your life within the moment, moment And don't go wait until the morning, morning You never know when it is over, over All that I know is Hello, happy Wednesday We are, I'm excited for today's podcast Whoa, good start, Becca <laughs> It's okay, when I was filming Reels this morning I was saying, stumbling over the simplest words because I think ahead when I film reels, I think about what I want to say. And so I'm just trying to get there as fast as possible so I don't lose that thought of what I want to say. I usually, my process of writing reels is like I write a script. You guys, the 30 to 50 second reels that we post take forever. So I hope that you guys appreciate them. See, I don't write scripts for them. Oh, see, I, I write little scripts notes. because I have, I, that's how my mind works. Like I have to think about how I'm going to speak through it and yeah. how it's going to make sense. And then what I do is I, I read it like three or four times and then I start filming and I usually get through like the first part and then I mess up and then I go back and yeah. I get ma- through maybe like a little bit more of it and I mess up and then I go back and eventually I get through all of it, but it takes me like 30 tries. <laughs> oh my gosh. One of the ones I was doing this morning, as I was talking, I was like, oh, I want to go this direction with it. And then I was like, oh, I kind of want to go this direction with it. And then I just paused the video, <laughs> regathered my thoughts okay, here's the direction I'm going with it. And then a new thing came to mind. I was like, ah, sometimes it's so annoying and then art will pop into my office and I look at me, he's like, what? I'm like, go away. I can't film this. Even though you edit all my stuff, I can't film it if you're standing here. Nick will stand at the door and like just stand there. I'm like, get out of here, please. This is very stressful for me to be doing right now. I actually checked my blood sugars one time when I was filming one and they went from like 92 to like 120. I should do that. Because I was like getting so stressed. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot of work. One of my students in the NTA asked me how much time I spend, and I probably under ballparked it for sure. Um, it's tough. I mean, it's a I, lot to think about what you want to do, think about what you've already done. Mm-hmm. Because I was on topics. This is almost July. I have posted every single day, and we've not done any repost. Mm-hmm. So it's just a lot. I mean, yeah, I've posted usually like six days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, And I started it in like February or March and it's been exhausting. I actually started it. I stopped it because I was getting so angry and then I started it again. Now it's picking up. Now it's picking up a little bit. Yeah. Um, With your hormone guide. I just just finished my hormone factor guide, um, which is, I'm really excited about it. It's very actionable. It has quizzes in there that can help you determine kind of like what hormonal imbalances you may have. Is it high cortisol, low cortisol? Is it you know, high testosterone, is it high estrogen, low progesterone, whatever it might be. And then that helps gear towards a 21 day reset plan with like a meal plan, supplement recommendations based on your quiz answers. Um, and just, you know, help calm down inflammation, reset the microbiome, reset inflammation. Uh, so that is available. If you go to the link in the bio of my Instagram, the at the hormone queen, please make sure you follow me. Um, it's there. So I yeah. just need to refilm the video of the landing page because I don't know who let me wear that shirt 
because it looks like I literally have zero boobs. I mean, I have not a lot of boobs, <laughs> but the shirt is just really not helping Whoa. me at all. Where did you film it here? I filmed it here. And yeah. I just like, I liked the shirt in theory. And when I saw it on a video, I was like, oh no, that is really bad. Um, so I think we were planning on actually potentially refilming it today, but yeah, I think we have several things on deck. Yeah. Many, so. many good things coming at Fit Mom yeah. again. You guys, this is fantastic. And I just want to say thank you for those who follow and share the food code because we hit our highest download this week, which was awesome to see. Um, I haven't checked the charts. Art usually does all of that and keeps tabs, but I get the email of how many downloads. So I forwarded it to Becca and Art. And I was like, oh my gosh, another level here. So if you have been a listener to the food code for a while, you know, we don't run any advertisements on the show because I think it creates a better listening experience versus yeah. having to listen to another, you know, pitch for whatever it is on whatever. (laughs) Like I just think about different podcasts that I've listened to. I never retain it. Like when they're going through ads, I'm like, skip, skip, skip. I don't want to listen to this. This isn't why I'm listening to your podcast. Yeah. I get it. You make money off of it. Yeah. So anyways, um, the best thing that you can do for us is to leave a five-star rating and review, but also share it with family and friends Whoever, if you are sharing it on social media, if you thought there was an episode that resonated with you, tag us. That's so helpful. We just love to see it. Um, It makes us feel good because again, we don't um, make money off of our podcast. We do this as kind of a passion project Mm -hmm. and want to educate you guys. So today we actually have a few in the queue that I'm really excited about, but today we're going to be talking about the difference between health and function, functional health and physique, because I think so many people chase physique They'll work on their health, but in the back of their mind, the goal is oh, absolutely, physique, right? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, a lot of people that go in on a health journey typically reach some type of like a breaking point, whether they just, they saw themselves in the mirror or they tried on a pair of clothes that didn't fit them anymore, or they symptom wise feel awful. Mm. Like I'm not, you know, I can't go to the bathroom or I'm having chronic diarrhea or I'm not sleeping through the night. I'm dealing with night sweats. I'm have these crippling period pains, whatever it might be. They, like there's something that they reached this point where it's like, I need to do something about this. You get blood work back, right? Um, and so we go on it to feel better because we say this all the time. I never see someone that has a weight issue that does not always have other issues going on. Yeah. It is, you know, they go hand in hand. Um, and so- What a lot of times though people do is they start a health journey and, you know, they're working on their symptoms and they're feeling better, but they don't feel like it's transferring in terms of how they look. Yeah. And so we wanted to address that today because I I see this commonly. Oh, Um, I've experienced it. Let's talk about it. And I have both have experienced. (laughs) Yeah. We can talk about the phases that we're in right now. And, you know, um, we totally understand we've been through phases before. And one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast in the past is that there is always a moving target. There's no end date when it comes Mm -hmm. to your health, right? You're in a phase or you're in a season where you want to optimize things. Full transparency. I've been working on my body with a coach since, again, I should say, since last January, uh, because that's when Art and I decided, okay, let's start trying. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's been over a year and a half, right? We've identified things along the way, but I wanted to prepare my body, work on some things for him that we identified that were issues. And then the mold popped up and then the breast implant thing, that all came to fruition this past January. So this is 
a year later from when we started with fertility, I did 75 hard twice. Body physique like didn't really change. It did towards the end of the first 75 hard, but then kind of quickly mm-hmm. rebounded back after the stress was kind of let up. Same for Becca. I mean, you've mm-hmm. had several yeah. things this past year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had this past year has been a whirlwind. Like postpartum, 75 hard got me to a place that I felt very good physically, um, but I also had carpal tunnel surgery in the middle of it. Um, finished it, but had carpal tunnel surgery, which sucked. So it was a four month recovery basically from that. Um, I'm still dealing with a little bit of like not full range of motion, I feel like. Um, And during that time, I was doing a gut protocol and had a horrible reaction, um, which at the time I didn't know as much as I did now. Um, And it was some type of a Herx reaction, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it kind of got to the point where it was like, I don't even want to deal with this because I was also doing it by myself. Do not recommend, even though I know what I'm doing. I would like, I could not tell myself to push through what I was dealing with at the time because for two weeks straight, I was basically waking up in the middle of the night every night and putting ice packs on my chest and my stomach because they were so itchy. Mm -hmm. And so after that calmed down, I ended up having to get like a steroid shot. I got steroid creams, which didn't do anything in turn, got the steroid shot. Um, Finally calmed down. And then developed this just chronic underlying nausea. Like I, all day, every day, I was like, am I pregnant? I took multiple pregnancy tests during that time. (laughs) Many messages to me at five in the morning, freaking out. I was like, I cannot get pregnant again. Um, And I just felt awful. I had no appetite. If I tried to do anything high intensity with exercise, I would get immediately nauseous, more nauseous. Um, And this went on for months And I finally ordered a GI map on myself and I had really, really high giardia, which is a type of parasite. Um, And finally, you know, took ivermectin, (laughs) went away almost immediately. Symptoms went away almost immediately. And then I tried to get back into high intensity training. And my body was like, F you, not happening. I'm going to throw on some water weight for you so you feel really awful. And... I just have had this up and down of my health. And so, you know, even though Liz and I know a lot, I want someone that knows more than me and someone that has a different perspective than I do and that can have my best interest at hand. Um, And right now, like my physique is better than when I started, but it is by no means where I want it to be, but it also hasn't been the focus. Right. And that's what I always have to tell myself is like, Right now, my focus is healing the things that are dysfunctional, which is what we're going to talk about and what needs to happen before you go into body composition efforts, because otherwise you are just trying to stress a body that is already too stressed and it will not be able to positively adapt to the stressors of a calorie deficit or extra workouts or, you know, the things that you have to do to get body composition to change. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, just with the phase that I'm in, this is the first time that I've ever really had some of those Herx reactions and they're by no means like horrible compared to what some people deal with or um, some of our clients, you know, have felt. And it kind of just depends upon the level of like, you didn't know about the Giardia, right? That was driving a lot of the symptoms, even though we do testing, even though blood work shows us things and there's trends and patterns or the GI map shows us or the Dutch test shows us things. You know, guys, there are many, many types of tests that you could run, total tox, mycotoxins, you know, you could do a parasitology test, you know, where it's like more of a three-day in-depth, gut zoomers, wheat zoomers, all of these different things. We're not going to do those things because 
symptoms really matter more than just what a test shows you. And a lot of people, I think it's one or the other where they chase the symptoms without looking at the full big picture, which is more common than the other camp where they have this test and that's all they're going off of. That's all that's wrong with me. They start to identify with it. I have a mold infection. I have a parasite infection. I have Lyme, you know, I have Hashimoto's, whatever. And they start to identify with these things, but rec- un, you know, failing to recognize that you can overcome them. And so you know, I say that because testing is very beneficial and valuable and it gives us a lot of direction to speed the process up, but you can't solely go off of a test. You have to look at the really big picture here. And then as we get things rebalanced and bring the body back into more of a homeostasis safe place, you can go into more of the physique work. Now, all of this said, some people do respond differently and they get the benefits of physique change because you've calmed down so much inflammation, your body's released weight because of calming down, you know, all of that inflammation or removing toxins that were really keeping you kind of stuck. But you have to differentiate here the phases. For me right now, it's very similar to Becca, physique is not the focus. The focus is health and I'm seeing Like, for example, what I tell you this morning, my HRV is like 40 points up, which is phenomenal, even though I felt like crap as I started, you know, kind of my carb pulse here and I've had, you know, kind of just like headache and joint pain and things like that. That's a good thing. And so for me, I mentally say, okay, this is a great sign that things are working. One of the things that I read in Diane Kayser's book with killer breasts, where she talks about, you know, preparing to explant and then post explant the detox that needs to happen she talks a lot about beauty because with breast implants, you, you put them in your body because you want to feel more feminine. You know, for me, I got them because I was like, I don't know, an A maybe lower at that point in time. I lost a lot of weight, lost all my boobs and they were pointing towards the floor like little cones. So I feel more feminine, more confident with them. Now I realize, you know, they're not best for my health or I might have to swap them out. If I don't just remove them, they've got to be swapped. Something's got to change. But at the same token, health is more important than beauty. And so in this chapter that she's talking about detox, for some people, they get a lot of skin reactions, rashes, and acne Mm -hmm. specifically. And we see this a lot with detox protocols as well. She's like, you have to kind of almost embrace this and see it. This is a sign because that shit will come out somewhere. It's got it. The toxins have got to get released. So that's going to happen through your skin, through your urine, and through your bowel movements. Again, why we talk about so much. You got to make sure that your drainage pathways are open. Lymph system is, you know, being supported and all of the things. And it feels overwhelming because sometimes Beck and I even say this to each other as well. It's like so many things to do that I need to do every day, you know, so we get that, but these are signs that things are working. And so if you are someone in the trenches right now where you are having maybe some die-off reactions, some detox reactions, we call them Herx reactions. You just don't feel yourself stay the course. This is actually a good sign. I've said many times, I just don't respond to anything. Now I'm responding and I'm like, oh, wow, look at that HRV score. Look at my readiness scores in the nineties. I haven't seen that in forever, but I wasn't going to do the things that I'm doing now without the guidance of somebody else. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what we want to you know, kind of talk about today. So what are the things? What are all the things? What are the things that we <laughs> always address or look at or evaluate before trying to stress someone in a cut. And this is more functional side. Mm -hmm. So that is a lot of what we do, right? But like we said, many people still have the body composition goals. Obviously we wanna look good. We We wanna look as good as we feel. 
And so we have to be able to do both pieces, which is, you know, what we will do with our clients when we get to that place. But before we get there and we go over this to hopefully help people understand too, to not be frustrated by the time that it can take, Mm -hmm. because when dysfunction spreads, I should say, in terms of it hits multiple different symptoms, you end up a lot of times with, okay, someone has Hashimoto's that's through the, like antibodies are through the roof. Their autoimmune is very active right now. They also have constipation and not pooping every day. And they have a lot of bloating and they have blood sugar issues because of all of this. And they're, you know, tired after meals. They're not sleeping at night. They're tired in the middle of the day. You know, we have cortisol issues. Like there's a lot of things in play here, guys. And unfortunately, six to eight weeks isn't going to fix all of it. Mm -mm. This is going to be peeling back layers and why we do what we do in our program is we go about it in a specific order to make sure that it's addressed in the right order because it you can't just whack-a-mole this stuff. You, you cannot just be like, oh, I got an antibodies test back. Let's put in a Hashimoto's protocol. Yes, but what else are we working on? Why are the antibodies high? So the first thing is thyroid, and these are not in any order. This is not like importance order. This yeah. actually might be reverse. Um, <clears throat> But thyroid is one of the main ones. So do you know what your TSH is, your free T3, free free T3, free T4, antibodies? Do you have Graves? Do you have Hashimoto's? Do you have an autoimmune condition that's driving thyroid issues and symptoms? Um, Because if we know there's an autoimmune condition, I know that there's some type of inflammation. There's some types of stressor on the body that is not being addressed. Yep. And I just want to touch on this a little further too, just in terms of you go to the doctor, you have a lot of the symptoms and your TSH may be slightly out of range. And so they give you Synthroid. There are many different types of thyroid disorders. We touched on the autoimmune here, right? Where we have uh, Graves or Hashimoto's. Those are if antibodies are present. Uh, I had somebody on my Instagram or Facebook post that their antibodies were like 200 something and the doctor still didn't think that she had Hashimoto's. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Conventional medicine, it shows you right there, positive above what 60. What are antibodies? What, are, <laughs> what did they think this month then? Um, but we look at brain-based hypothyroidism, primary, secondary hypothyroidism. We look at hyperthyroidism. We look at a lot of things, cellular hypothyroidism with conversion and the gut and the liver. The liver especially plays a big role here because the conversion of your bound to unbound free hormones happens 40% in the liver, 20% in the gut, 20% in your tissues, and then the rest is offloaded to reverse T3. And so one of the ladies that just started with me, she got put on a low-dose Synthroid. Her TSH was like 0.05 or something. We talked about it yesterday. I'm like, they've flipped you to hyper here. What's going on? Why did they do this? Where are the rest of the labs? She's like, well, then they cut my medication in half, which is a placebo by the way, which is interesting. And I said, I think there's something deeper here. You know, this has got to be more of a cellular hypothyroidism. We don't have those answers though, because Mm -hmm. they only went off of her TSH, which is quite rare because we don't see that a lot, but that is one instance. The thyroid is really sensitive Um, And just as a reminder, thyroid is the almost master of metabolism. It runs um, your basal metabolic rates. If you are, you know, burning through nutrients at the right rate or very slowly, Uh, if you feel cold, especially in the extremities, you know, those are all kind of common signs, slow motility or feeling constipated. Conversely, hyper is going to be speed speedy transit, right? Mm-hmm. Got to go to the bathroom a lot more. Um, maybe you feel Heart palpitations, sweat, anxiety. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. So there's a lot that goes into thyroid. Listen to other things uh, that we've done in the past, but that's one thing. Yep. Estrogen and androgen balances. Um, so these are the two main hormone groups that get out of balance. So estrogen dominance is the most common. Um, and this can be either because there is an overproduction of estrogen or there is an underproduction of progesterone. Um, or they're both low, but estrogen is just higher and creates estrogen-based symptoms. Uh, so estrogen-dominant-based symptoms, a lot of times people experience like the hip, hippie-type weight gain, so hip, butts, um, belly-type weight gain. You'll experience like painful periods, lots of uh, clots will happen. Sometimes it can be really, really bad to where it is, you know, headaches, migraines, that's usually a little bit more correlated with when estrogen becomes also like a histamine parasite issue. Um, but estrogen dominance will make it very hard to lose weight. Uh, and some people just favor this. So there's different pathways within the body that affect metabolization. And we've been on a whole podcast on hormones, but basically hormones are kind of like a waterfall. So if you are, you know, pregnenolone's at the top and you go to progesterone and testosterone and everything basically filters down to estrogen. And so, for example, if someone comes off birth control and all of their hormones start coming back in place, what fills up the bo- first? In like, imagine an hourglass. The bottom fills up first. Estrogen is the bottom. Mm. And so a lot of people coming off birth control or, you know, doing HRT or when you're doing anything that's kind of getting you like an influx of hormones, if you're reverse dieting, for a lot of people, if they haven't resolved underlying issues, they gain weight because it's all filtering to estrogen. Um, because basically anytime you build in terms of calories, you're going to turn on hormones. So estrogen dominance is a big issue. And then there's androgen dominance. And androgen dominance is our androstene diione and etiocalanolone, which are basically your androgen hormones. They are your male-based hormones. Um, they come from DHEA, which is from your adrenals. But This is something that's very common with menopause because in menopause, you lose estrogen and progesterone. Testosterone as a byproduct becomes basically your dominant hormone. What happens with androgen dominance? People get very watery and puffy. Um, You don't tolerate exercise very well. Like exercise doesn't do anything. Uh, A lot of times we see this driven by inflammation and insulin resistance too. So that's why it usually happens. Um, So we need to make sure that hormones are balanced because if you are trying to do anything that stresses the system, it's going, hormones are very dramatic. They're very finicky. They respond to a lot of things. So if you stress the body and hormones are not in balance, it's just going to make things a whole lot worse. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is that your hormone imbalance can become worse, right? So if you're already low and you keep driving your body into the ground, you could reach that total burnout. Um, and you're really low hormones. We've talked about this before on other podcasts. This is where periodization comes to play because, of course, people can go through cut phases and come out of them and be okay. There's always going to be some form of adaptation. But the problem is, and this is what we've seen more and more with people, I would say, in their late 20s and 30s in kind of that generation, even early 40s now, fat-free, low-fat diet craze, right? Low-carb your thyroid runs off carbohydrates. And so all of these things that we've been told over the years, eat 1200 calories, move more, eat less essentially. And then demonizing every food group, including vegetables and protein, because somebody out there found something wrong with something. You're following this advice and the stress bucket is so full that the body's got to pull energy from somewhere. And so you just end up completely depleted. And I don't think you touched on this, but let's talk about, you know, the progesterone steel too, in terms of cortisol. Yeah. 
when you're really highly stressed, progesterone looks like cortisol. So your body will tap into progesterone and kind of steal it to create cortisol. Um, and so then you can become estrogen dominance or more estrogen dominant because primarily because progesterone's already dropped. Yeah. And high fat tissue. I mean, testosterone will turn into estrogen in fat tissue and through aromatization. So the higher fat tissue amount you have, yeah. the more estrogen dominant people become. Um, so it's a byproduct, but you need to make sure that there's a balance there. Hormones, again, they're very dramatic. They respond to things very quickly. Um, and like Liz was saying, problems happen with high hormones and with low hormones. Yeah. And for estrogen, it can kind of look similar yes, symptoms. So exactly. This is where it's good to test, right? Because we don't want to guess she's high, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, or she's low and you think she's high and then you're suppressing it even further and you know, right, mm -hmm. you just end up with more issues. Um, the other thing is blood sugars. So people who have been type, you know, diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, what we've learned now is they've trended that direction for five to six years. So if we're looking at a conventional lab range, right, they're saying, you know, maybe it's a 6.2 before they get into it. Every range is a little bit different. Um, I've seen 6.4 on some lab ranges. Yeah. It seems to be kind of creeping up. Oh, of course it does. With the A1C. But when we're looking at a functional perspective, we want to see your A1C 5.4 uh, or below. And so this is your three month average of your glucose. What matters most too is your balance of glucose and how stable you are throughout the day. Because if you're somebody, let's paint the picture here, who wakes up, you didn't give yourself enough time to get something in, in terms of breakfast or a good balanced meal. So you hit the drive through, you got a coffee and a donut right? Very high carb, high fat, uh, if it's a donut, right? Fried, but predominantly carbohydrates uh, and or coffee on an empty stomach. This is going to start you on what we call the blood sugar roller coaster where blood glucose is elevated. There's not enough fiber or protein and good quality fats present to balance out the carbohydrates. Because again, carbohydrates are really important. We don't want to demonize them, but it's about the balance of them. And so you start your day like that, blood sugar, gets a big spike, hits your blood system real fast, and then it drops and it plummets. And here's where I call it the three C's. You feel like crap because, or you've crashed, you feel like crap, and now you're craving more. So you feel tired, shaky, dizzy, moody, hangry, all the things here in the crash. And so what do you reach for? I got to have something quick, you know, whether it's candy or a granola bar or, you know, something might more be more carb dense again. And you just continue to ride this blood sugar roller coaster throughout the day. So what we want to see is balanced meals to try to keep you more stable. And then also depending upon the function within the body, how stressed you are, if you're overtraining, under eating, for example, or we've just had a situation where things are compromised. You're struggling with a lot of inflammation, um, you know, thyroid dysfunction, immune dysfunction, gut dysbiosis. There's a variety of things that can impact this where you're riding higher blood sugar levels. So you don't even have to be on the track towards type two diabetes from, you know, your A1C or insulin. You can be a healthy individual who's fit, but you're riding higher blood sugar levels. Um, you know, this is not a good thing, right? We want to really see waking between 70 and 90, kind of an average. If you looked at a day 89, we've talked about this before, but you know, get eyes on this for you guys listening. You don't even have to have a continuous glucose monitor. You can take waking and then two hours postprandial. Am I coming back into that mid 80, upper 80 range? That's really kind of where we should sit. Yeah. And the, re the reason this is important is when you think about blood sugar, basically 
Blood sugar is the amount of glucose in the blood at any one time. And so if blood sugars are getting higher and higher, what that means is that your cells are not getting the message to open the door from insulin to allow the blood sugar in. In turn, your body is not using energy well. Mm -hmm. You are energy inefficient. Your metabolism is not working how it should. And so people are like, well, why? I don't understand blood sugar. That's why it's important because essentially what it means is your body is not using and creating energy properly. Because when blood sugar is high, you're not, your body's not going to go and burn. It's not going to go and create more glucose from what's present in the cells. And so you're just stuck basically and it continues to get worse. And so that is why blood sugar is so important. It, it is a secret weapon when it comes to weight loss. And it, if, if it is not under control, things will likely not go very well. Yeah. And this is going to lead to things like insulin resistance, yes. right? That's a big, I think buzzword now too is like, oh, I maybe have insulin resistance. Well, I think this is twofold. You can have insulin resistant and have what look to be normal A1C and blood sugars. So that's one thing we always check fasting insulin because yep. that's going to show us any level of metabolic dysfunction. Yep. When your cells you know, are full or there's this, you don't have the right key to unlock the cells to get the blood sugar in or, you know, things. We're not also not getting anything out of the cells. Your body's not going to release your glucose or your insulin because it says there's too much energy already circulating in the blood. What is this going to do? Put the brakes on weight loss. So all these things are going to be important, but here's the kicker. When you try to go into a deficit without working on these things and fixing these things, it's going to get worse it stresses because you're the body. adding more stress. Yeah. It stresses the body. The next is gut function, which is another major stress to the system. So one thing to remember is when you go into a calorie deficit, there's usually less food. And so if you're already not going to the bathroom, you now have less things to help support motility. And if you have poor gut function, you likely are not absorbing and digesting and getting benefit from your nutrients from the food that you should be. And so now you're dealing with mineral and nutrient deficiencies, which get worse when you take in less food, because again, there's less resources. So gut function, the other big piece is insulin. There are, there's something in the gut called butyrate, which kind of like acts as a food technically for your good bacteria. And butyrate is very important when it comes to insulin sensitivity because it produces something called GLP-1, which is basically what Ozempic does. Um, and so when you do not have a healthy microbiome, you typically don't have healthy levels of butyrate. And in turn, you're going to deal with insulin and blood sugar issues. So there's a lot of reasons to work on the gut. That one is directly correlated with weight issues. Yeah. But gut function has to be there because again, that's usually the first thing to pop up when someone goes into a deficit is gut issues yeah. if they haven't been resolved. Yeah. And the other thing, when we think about butyrate too, as you are working through gut protocols and maybe working on increasing your levels of butyrate, it is something that will produce a little bit more bloating um, and gas. And that's not a bad thing because again, your good bacteria have to ferment off of various fibers. Um, and so sometimes it's uncomfortable, but it's a good sign. We should have some level. Well, first of all, you should be eating enough diverse fruits and vegetables with good amounts of fiber and diverse fibers. But if that's you, you don't have a lot of gut issues, but you do say, well, yeah, sometimes I get a little bit bloated. That's not actually a bad thing if you've eaten a good amount of fruits and vegetables and have again, diversity here of insoluble and soluble because you want to be able to produce these short chain fatty acids, uh, especially for absorption. You cannot ignore fiber and cuts. That is yep. huge. That is. And so this is something with a couple of my 
bodybuilder, more physique clients uh, that came in. Fiber, I always tell them, is your fourth macronutrients. Don't ever forget this. You need to be looking at your fiber levels if you want to be doing macros. And we've said this for many, many years with our clients. Um, but if you're looking at an optimal fiber level, for most clients, we want to see you at 35 grams and above. And you can still do this even in a deficit if you're smart with your choices. Things like berries, chia seeds, flax seeds, right? High fiber, uh, starchy vegetables. There's different ways to get this in. It is like a broom to sweep that I just have tracked. The stat, I'm, I may butcher this, but I think it's $2.2, $2.3 million, billion dollars. I have to look up. I'm butchering the stat that we would save if people just ate more fiber. Oh, there's so many research studies that show the direct correlation between the exact same diet, calories, macronutrients, but higher fiber lowers cholesterol, lowers heart disease possibilities. Like there's just the exact same calorie intake and macronutrient intake, but higher fiber. And you are removed from all of these risk categories because of how important fiber is. And you can track fiber. It's not that hard to track. You can track it in MyFitnessPal. You can look up ingredient fibers. I mean, if you're using processed foods, you can look at containers of things, but you want things coming from real food fiber, yeah. not just you know added fiber. That is not the same. It does not operate the same in the body. Okay, here's the stat. I found it. Okay. We would save $12. billion in direct healthcare costs related to constipation if adults would just eat at least 25 grams of fiber. Here's what I was thinking of. If you increase it to 28 grams, this is even less than what I just said, 35 plus, we would save an additional $2 billion in annual savings. This is direct healthcare costs in hospitals, in doctor's offices related to constipation alone. That's a lot of money that we would save. If we would People just- eat. People do eat, right? I saw a quote the other day. Um, I'm actually posting it uh, this week, a, a different version of it. But the question is not if you're going to develop metabolic syndrome, eating a standard American diet. It, the question is when. Oh, absolutely. And people will say, oh, my genetics. Well, at some point in time, as you age, that's not going to save you. And there are also people who walk around that look healthy, fit, that have a lot of underlying dysfunction, that have the worst GI maps we've ever seen, that don't have a lot of symptoms. So you might be sitting there saying, well, I don't have any gut issues. I don't have any symptoms. I don't have bloating, constipation, gas, heartburn, reflux, They're abdominal underlying. pain. A lot of these things can lie dormant, especially candida. This is a big one that doesn't have to cause a lot of GI symptoms. Candida that lives and gets throughout, you know, spreads out of the GI tract throughout the body in terms of UTIs or thrush or yeast infection, things like that. Even if you don't have those things, you might be experiencing other things like strong sugar cravings, no matter what you do, mood swings, joint pain. We've done a whole podcast on candida. So this is something though that is allowed to overgrow because of gut dysbiosis imbalance here. So again, there's so many things to look at and this is a, this is a big one. And this is why we always say, you know, okay, our, our program is called Healthy Gut, Happy Hormones. We put it in this order. We didn't say happy hormones, healthy gut. We put healthy gut, happy hormones because healthy gut equals happy hormones. Hormones start in the gut, right? The gut impacts everything within your body. And we know that inflammation is huge here. Dysbiosis equals inflammation, not just GI inflammation, systemic inflammation. So you got to keep your flowers and your weeds balanced. Your immune system is huge. People who deal with autoimmune, you look to the gut. 70% of your immune system, some people say 80% of your immune system resides in the gut. 
So how your body acts with things, including foods that you may not even realize aren't your friends, matters. So we're always looking at gut function. And then after this, we're going to also consider your methylation and your detoxification abilities. We've mentioned several times drainage and detoxification goes first. At the bottom of your drainage funnel is your colon, right? We're thinking top down, like at the cellular level, how can your body detoxify at a cellular level if you're constipated? It can't, right? If we are somebody who doesn't move our body well and our lymphatic system is not a focus, we're not draining things properly. We're not doing things like dry brushing, walking, you know, cold therapy or stimulating even vagal tone for your vagus nerve. We're going to have a lot of problems here. You may try to take supplements to support hormones. You may try to take supplements to support constipation. You may try to take adrenal supports, whatever it is that you might try to take. Those things are not going to help if your funnel is clogged, right? The bathtub is clogged. You've got to drain that out. So this is where we look to the liver and there are many things that we look at in terms of liver and detoxification. We think about bioflow, right? We think about your liver enzymes, your cholesterol. If your cholesterol is elevated, the question becomes why? It's not just suppressed cholesterol. It's address what the cholesterol is responding to in the body. Triglycerides are high. Why? Right? Um, The question always is coming back to why. So on the Dutch test, particularly, we do see one marker on the GI map um, for liver and beta-glucuronidase and things. But on the Dutch test, as Becca mentioned, looking at the three pathways that you're clearing estrogens and then also your methylation. So where are you pushing your estrogens into and then how are you getting them out of the body? Are you able to keep up with the flow that you have to be excreted or do you need to open up your drain more so that these things can, again, keep the bathtub at at a good level. Um, And so methylation is really important. Uh, There are many herbs and supplements and things you can do to support uh, your detoxification. Beck and I both have done different reels on this. We've talked about this on the podcast, but doing a three-day juice cleanse, doing a 10-day detox, whatever it might be. Heck, even just doing our flush phase is not enough. This is a lifestyle. You are exposed to so many things, especially women. I read something the other day, the stat was like 268 chemicals were exposed to just through our hair care, skin care products, feminine products, like makeup, all those types of things. So you're exposed to all of these things and a little bit here and a little bit there and a little processed food here and a little sugar there and a little bit of smoke in the air and poor air quality here. All of you know the things that you might consider just in your lifestyle, alcohol, preservatives, sugar, all of those things, okay? Add up and eventually your bucket becomes full and the bathtub becomes full. Whatever analogy you want to hear, you're spilling over. You've got to unlock your bowels. You've got to support drainage and detoxification and you may need to, for quite a period of time, be supporting with a supplement. Um, Yeah. I think also you need to consider that when you come to a practitioner with all of these symptoms, They have to help you lower your bathtub. When we talk about the bathtub analogy, basically think about the faucet as all of the things like the toxins, the chemicals, the hormone imbalance, the food intake, all of those things coming into the bathtub. And if the drain is clogged up or it's a tiny little drain, you just are not getting those things out of the body properly. And so when you come in and your bathtub has been overflowing for a while, you may need to 
give up sugar. You may need to give up dairy and gluten and pull some stress out of your life and stop the exercise and stop a couple of things that you're like, well, isn't just a little bit fine? Not when we're trying to get this bathtub back down to a reasonable level. Once it's at a reasonable level, absolutely, it's okay to have things in moderation. But you have to a lot lot of times go through these phases where things are just hard. You have to give up things that you love Mm -hmm. for a period of time to be able to enjoy them again in a proper way. And we're going to do a Friday fire on that soon. But that is what health is. And cortisol, we kind of skipped over, but cortisol is the root of all of it. I mean, you know, if you do not manage your stress, whether it's mental, emotional, whether it's, and the hardest part for people to understand is that you get used to your stress. So it doesn't think, you don't think that it's stress. You just think that it's normal. And we're guilty of this. We're guilty of this. Liz and I are the queens of this. Okay. (laughs) Don't get it twisted. I am horrible at this. And so you think that your stress is just fine, but your body's struggling. So it's obviously not fine. There's obviously symptoms and physiological manifestations of your stress. So I'm sorry if you think your life is not stressful. It's obviously stressful. And so you need to get cortisol either under control or if it's completely bottomed out, get it back online because that will halt things in its path. And basically, if you do nothing, you need to make sure that stress is under control. Yeah. And this would include as we've mentioned already, internal stressors. Yes. The gut dysbiosis, the hormone imbalances, poor detoxification abilities, foods that you're consuming that you're intolerant to that you don't know even, maybe you do know. I have a few people right now, they're struggling hard with gluten and I get it. It's tough. But at the end of the day, you've got two tests in front of you that show your body is reactive and you will keep fanning the flame to inflammation, which is going to keep your level of inflammation just running systemically, you know, if you don't change these things and that's all going to impact cortisol and vice versa. And so those are things that we look at functionally. Now let's talk about when you get to a place where you're like, I got it in wraps. I'm feeling good. Things are moving well. I'm ready to go into the cut. Well, girls, gals, guys, gentlemen, whoever's listening, here's the thing that we're going to tell you straight up. This is where you embrace the suck. Okay? It's uncomfortable. So many people are like, I want to cut. I want to cut. Do you? Because (laughs) it ain't fun. (laughs) And then sets in the fatigue, right? The constipation or slower motility than you had before. The hunger. Yeah. Like things just feel hard. All the cravings because you're restricting so much. Workouts don't feel as good. You don't feel as energized. You don't feel as strong. Now, I think there's a compensation period here where you do, and there are different strategies, and we use and these a lot cortisol, man. So <laughs> Cortisol yeah. helps you feel pretty good for a while. Um, and you know, in this phase, you might need to use more drastic strategies. Like You're going to have to do things that you haven't done before because guess what? All the things you have done before have gotten your body to adapt it to where it is now. And, and so, you don't want to go back to undoing all the exactly. functional work that you just did. And you might also need to go through a period where you actually build before you cut. Mm-hmm. because a lot of people have chronic history of under eating and you might need to go through a phase to get your body primed because that's our goal. Like I want the cut to be effective. And if I have not gotten your body to a place where it's going to be effective, it's a waste of time. And what we're saying here is that we're working to maximize your potential of eating calories. People think the answer is, as I mentioned before, and yes, you do need to create a calorie deficit to lose weight. That is how science works. But 
you want to maximize your intake and the potential intake, because here's one thing to consider. We have calculators, we have aura rings, we have Apple watches, we have all of these different fancy devices these days. None of them are hundred percent accurate. Can they give you maybe a ballpark? Sure. But even things like my fitness pal, my fitness pal is not accurate. The rounding, the Missing mathematics, pieces, I mean, there's like, it, yeah, yeah, there's so many errors and even with premium. So you're doing your best to get all of this data aligned, but the only, the best thing is going to be trial and error when it comes to, if I'm eating more, am I maintaining my weight? Or if I'm eating more and now I'm starting to see a consistent increase because if you just eat more for a couple of days and you went up on the scale, there's so many things and factors to consider there. We're talking about weeks, maybe seven or eight weeks here where you're tracking your trends. Of course, if you're taking large jumps over week over week, there's going to be modifications here. But we always say, and we've said this, if you listen to old podcasts of ours, reverse 10%, right? Slowly work this up depending upon the person. A lot of mindset stuff here and how you do it the right way with processed foods and unprocessed foods and all of that. So we want to maximize your potential so that, and this has been a lot of clients for us over the years, you're losing weight eating more than what you came in at. Yes. How many clients of ours have lost weight eating 2,000 calories, training less? And they're like, oh my God, before I was eating 1,600 calories, going to the gym six days a week, and I wasn't losing weight. Because you're managing stress now. Remember, guys, the calorie deficit, the extra training is a stress. If the body is too stressed, dieting is a stressor. And for your body to adapt positively to it, in terms of weight loss and body composition change, it has to have the reserve to be able to adapt to it. And if it's constantly stressed, your body, it's not going to be like, I can barely get up out of bed, but let's try and burn some body fat. Like that ain't happening. It's just not happening. And when your body's super stressed because of gut infection or because of some hormonal imbalance or whatever's going on, and then you're trying to get stronger or you're trying to you know, push harder in the gym or you're trying to lose weight. It's just not going to coincide. They can't. The body is only capable of so much. It's capable of a lot. But when we run it into the ground and end up with a ton of symptoms, like you need to give it some TLC before mm. it can start to adapt positively to those things again. And some people's journeys are much harder than others. Mm. But know that when you focus on physique, you are not focused on health. You just simply aren't. So you have to get the body to an optimal place as healthy as it can be before you cut it so that it can handle the cut. It can handle the stress. It can handle those things and not adapt as quickly. So then when you finish the cut, you can come back out and you can pull back up and the body's fine. Yep. Yep. So these are all things to consider and there's strategies to them. There's ways to approach them. There's multiple ways to approach cut phases, right? We've talked about periodization in the past. What does that look like for you? It might be you know, a five, two split, a three, three split. It could be a variety of things. Your training could change throughout cut phases. Your lifestyle and your stress is also something that we would want to manage. And then looking at several pieces of your, your biofeedback, um, you know, and so if you're somebody who is struggling with these things and you're like, this makes sense, this is me. Oh my God, I'm that person eating 1600 calories or less. And I have all these symptoms and things just aren't moving. And I'm trying so hard you can click the link in the show notes. You know, we can chat with you about what's going on with you, what we think, um, you know, is the right path for you. Every person is bio-individual, as we always say. So not one of our clients, many of them go through the same process, but not one of our clients has the same exact protocol with 
the foods that we're asking them to eat or remove, the oils we're asking them to use or remove. Uh, well, most of them remove the same oils, but we use different oils for different reasons, right? Um, different supplements and things like that. So if that's you, click the link in the show notes. You can schedule a time with our team and we would be more than happy to take a deep dive with you and give you a little bit of insight into our thoughts around how we can help. With that, have a fantastic day and we'll be back on Friday.